care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A very happy Wednesday afternoon, halfway through the week. Audrey Salveson here, Eric Franton over there. Thanks for tuning in to the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, uh, 106.9thefan.com. Grateful to have you along wherever and however you are joining us. And wherever and however you are doing. Hi, RJ. What? Why were you? you good? Why? We have a great show on. Yes, we do. And you're yawning. Uh, maybe it's just you're yawning. Listening to you makes me yawn. Well, we. You know, what? I actually have a bone to pick with you, and we'll get to that in just a little <laughs> bit. But I'm okay. not. I'm not going to make our first guest suffer through that. In fact, joining us right off the bat here on the Full Court Press, it's one of the best men in the business. It's Utah State head softball coach, Coach Steve Johnson, here on the Full Court Press. Coach, how are you? Good. How you guys doing today? Uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. Hey, what has this COVID-19 situation been like as they cancel your softball season? What are your duties like? Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's been really weird because obviously this is the busiest time of the year for us. And, and uh, we're normally on the road uh, three, four days out of the week and, and then playing at home and, and doing everything. So all of a sudden to have that taken away, uh, you know, it, it's, it's weird. It's just it's just a strange, weird feeling. Uh, as coaches, we we certainly have some things that we're taking care of, you know. But the kids are kind of uh, they're not used to this much time off and and not having any structure. So it's it's just been kind of a strange time, like everybody. But um, you know, fortunately, we're all healthy and safe. So really, our focus right now has been uh, on our kids' academics. Um, you know, we're finishing up school here in another couple weeks. And so most of our kids have gone home. We've got a few left in Logan, uh, but we're just uh, staying on top of their academics, making sure everybody stays eligible for uh, for next fall. And then, uh, you know, little things that we can do remotely here and there. Right now we're kind of focusing on some budget issues and, and trying to figure out what next year uh, is going to look like and, and going through uh, different scenarios. Uh, but other than that, it's um, – you know, it's a little bit thin right now until we get to hopefully the summer recruiting season. Coach, you brought up next year and budget issues. It certainly is a, a big thing to be considering. The NCAA has said that those in spring sports uh, had their, their seasons canceled could come back for another year of eligibility uh, and would have another year granted to them. Do you feel like you'd have any on your roster that might take advantage of that? And then, in addition to that, how might that affect some of your other plans for your other underclassmen? Well, right now, um, it doesn't appear we've got a lot of it's going to depend on what the financial side looks like for those kids. Um, you know, and, and some of these kids, when they get to this age, they're they're prepared to move on. Uh, you know, they they've put their four years in. Uh, sometimes you get some injuries out there. Sometimes, you, you know, they're, they're looking at the next phase, whether that's a job or grad school. And so mentally, a lot of them were kind of prepared to be done. And uh, so right now, uh, we don't have anybody committed to coming back. Uh, but if we're, we're also waiting on from the from our administration, uh, what the financial possibilities are uh, with that. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. Um, you know, if, if anybody does come back, obviously it's just like any other situation, you know, well, the, the best player uh, is going to go out and play. And certainly uh, some of these kids that they've got the experience and, and 
and, and been out there and, and through the battle. So they might have a leg up on some things, but you know, it's not to say that someone else doesn't come along and, and take, uh, take a spot. So really it's just kind of up in the air. We're just waiting to hear financially what the administration is going to offer these kids and, and how we're going to approach that. Uh, you know, I think, uh, John's been quoted as if all the seniors came back that could, it's, it's a pretty hefty price tag. I think somewhere in the range of 400,000, uh, when we're already tight, uh, with losing the NCA money. So, uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that. But right now, uh, I, I'm not anticipating a whole lot, if any, uh, at all come back. Coach, the last game you guys played was on March 7th. You finished 13-11. and 11. What did you learn most about your team through those first 24 games? You know, they're a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of a roller coaster. Uh, we were kind of up and down. We had one of our best weekends since 1981. Uh, we won some big games. And, uh, you know, I think – we saw some people step up. Uh, Capri Tune was certainly uh, first and foremost in that. Uh, she threw a no-hitter, uh, was just throwing lights out, uh, especially second weekend of the season and the, the weekend we finished up right there at uh, over in San Jose. Uh, but, you know, seeing some kids for the first time get out and play, uh, we have a, a set of twins, the McFarland sisters. Uh, they uh, both started, one and left, one in, uh, behind the plate and at first base. And, and they're true, real competitors. Uh, but, you know, really going through, we just, we, we were just starting to hit our stride. And that was the tough part about stopping right where we did, that we were just getting ready for conference play. We had a couple games to go with our non-conference. We were playing UVU in a couple games and then rolling into conference. And we were feeling really confident. Um, but, you know, that was that, the biggest thing was just we were learning to play with each other and, and we had a lot of confidence and, and learning how to continue to have fun. And that, that was our group. We were, when we were loose and we were having fun, we were really successful. And so uh, I think that's just something as we look forward into next year now, uh, obviously the, the team dynamics changed, but I think we kind of have a, a feeling of where we're at and uh, we got a lot returning. Uh, so it's exciting to kind of move forward with that. Uh, a player you may or may not have back, senior outfielder, uh, Riley Plogger, uh, record setter, and was on track to break several other records. Uh, t- talk about the career that she had uh, and the type of season that she was having for you to this point before everything got canceled. Yeah, you know, Riley's had a, a tremendous career. Uh, she was actually uh, one of the first recruits uh, that we went after when I got out here. Uh, I had met her. Boy, December of 2012, I remember it. We did a, when I was at my previous school, we did a camp out in California and she was out there and, and, uh, she was just a ball player and a competitor and, uh, came from a really great family. And, you know, she came in and, and was, a started for us that freshman year, the, the year we almost won the conference. Um, and, and it was kind of interesting because we had such great senior leadership. She just learned from everybody and, and uh, she'll say she was just kind of along for the ride. She didn't know really what she was doing because she, she was doing so well. Uh, and uh, But she has performed consistently throughout. But, you know, she's been a bigger part as a leader uh, for this program uh, and, and the things that she's done for the program, but also for the athletic department. You know, she's our, the president of our SAC uh, group and has done a really good job, especially in these times, uh, kind of rallying the troops and, and working with administration to uh, get together. But, 
you know, as, as far as a leader on the field, you, you're not going to find anybody better. A kid that's going to work hard uh, is going to keep her keep her nose straight and, and get things done. Uh, this year, you know, she'd been a three-year starter in left field. And uh, when uh, Maisie uh, McFarland came in, she was a left-hander. We just experimented putting her out there in left field. And uh, it, it kind of fit. And Riley moved over to right field, didn't say a peep. And, uh, you know, that's, that takes leadership and that when you, when you leave a starting spot, not that she didn't come off the field, but when you move positions around in that senior year, sometimes that can be difficult, but she, she went with it and was having a great year. And, and, uh, certainly if she doesn't return, it's going to be, uh, be a big loss for us and, and, uh, shoes, big shoes we got to fill for next year. You have a local gal on your team, Tyler Thornton out of Ridgeline High School. Tell us what you've seen out of her so far. You know, Tyler is one. She's a fantastic kid. Again, another kid from a great family, and uh, just a super competitor. Um, big athlete, and that's a big thing. And you know, she could probably start. Uh, she defensively, she was the number one backup in about four different spots, uh, infield and and all th- three of the four infield positions. So um, she's just one heck of an athlete. And and her big thing is she's just learning. Uh, to catch up to some of the college game stuff, you know, there's some, some thinking things, some speed of the game things that, uh, she hadn't experienced just not being able to play year round, like some of our California, Arizona kids have. Um, but you know, the kid just works tremendously hard. Uh, she's got her head on straight. She knows that she's kind of a big leader in the Valley for, for the local softball kids. And, uh, she's just determined to give back. And so, you know, kid, uh, Certainly, she's she's got some tremendous potential, tremendous upside, and uh, hopefully, we get everything back on track and and uh, get rolling in the fall. She'll be able to uh, to step up and and keep growing, and I think she'll definitely compete for a starting spot next year. Coach, early in the season, you guys had uh, a play that doesn't always happen with regularity yeah. in softball like it does in in baseball, and it was. Determined the NCAA softball number one play of the week. You guys turned a triple play. First time that's happened at USU since 2006. Uh, describe the play, and then why is it so rare in softball? Well, it's you know the the play itself. It was kind of crazy. Um, you know, we caught it was a soft line drive. I think the runner at second uh, thought the ball had gone through, uh, didn't see it, and. Uh, Ryan, uh, who was, was at second base, kind of caught it right before the right before it hit the ground, and uh, you know, just she went to first. She was already leaning towards first base, and so she did a good job of getting that girl first, and then went back to second. And uh, you know, the kids knew exactly what was going on, and and quite honestly, I kind of I, I had a little brain freeze. Um, I was waiting because we went. Uh, with the line drive, we went to first and then went to second. And I kind of had a, a senior moment there, and I forgot uh, that it didn't matter that they were all force outs. And so I was waiting for him to to uh, challenge the play because I thought the runner. I thought we had to go to second and then to one. But uh, you know, the kids were super pumped about it, and uh, it, it was fun to get all that recognition. Anytime your program can get out there on a national spotlight like that, and, and the social media interactions, obviously in today's world, is is everything. It, it was fun to, to get that. The kids love that attention. And, and, uh, you know, so that was great, but you know, it's just, it's such a rare thing in our sport because the bases are so close and, uh, 
you know, double plays can happen pretty routinely in baseball, uh, but even those are, are fairly rare in our game. And, and so it's just the speed of the game. When, you, when your bases are only 60 feet away, uh, you don't have to be that fast to beat some things out. So it was it was a big moment for us. It was certainly one of the memories from this season that we'll take with us. Utah State head softball coach Steve Johnson joins us here on the Full Court Press. Coach, I know you talked about Tyler Thornton being one of the up-and-coming underclassmen who could do some big things for you. What other underclassmen are you looking at and that fans should be looking at to uh, have a big impact on your softball team? Well, I think the, the two that stand out the most right away is, is uh, the twins, uh, Maisie and Mackenzie McFarlane. Uh, they both started uh, every game for us, uh, coming in as freshmen. Uh, so Maisie uh, started out in left field uh, in every game. And, and then her, her sister Mackenzie started both at catcher and at first base. And, you know, they're just tremendous athletes. They, uh, Again, two more kids that are great athletes, but also they're, they're even better people. Uh, they're they're just great uh, leaders. Uh, they're not necessarily the vocal leaders yet with Riley out there, but uh, I think they're going to roll into that spot uh, very easily. But they just they want to outwork you. You know, you know they we had a a Zoom call with the team a, a week ago, and in about the I guess two weeks, two and a half weeks since they'd gone home, they they'd run 32 miles, and and they've been working out in their garage and you know that's just the kind of kids they are they they won uh or they were awarded the december strength athlete student athlete of the month and and um but they're just tremendously hard workers but they're they're great players um you know and, and i think one thing they learned they started off really hot and then when they had a little bit of a struggle once the scouting report got out on them the the biggest thing that they're going to have to overcome next year is getting frustrated and, and letting that take them out of their game. When they play free and, and loose, uh, they're tremendous athletes and, and tremendous players for us. So I think those are two uh, right away that you'll see uh, have a big impact uh, for us in the future. You know, Capri, again, she's another one. She's a sophomore. Um, learned a lot last year and then came out and really starting in the second weekend took off. Uh, I think she pitched in three of our four game or three of our five games. Uh, like I said, threw a no hitter against, I believe it was San Diego, uh, came back, uh, down in, uh, San Jose or last weekend came out and we were really kind of struggling a little thin with some of our pitching and, and she went out and gave us everything she had. We had a four in one weekend. She was tremendous. So she's another one who took a huge leap forward, uh, from her freshman to her sophomore year. Uh, Gabby Jimenez was another one started either at catcher or first base. Uh, again, just she learned a lot last year and really put that into play here in uh, in the springtime and was just hitting uh, tremendously for us and, and jumped over at first base. Her and McKenzie both uh, moved to, to first base a little bit because we needed their bats in the lineup and, and did a really great job over there. So, and of course, and Lexi Roscoe is our shortstop. She was the returning all-conference kid we had. Uh, she was on another tear, uh, hitting over 300. I think she had four or five home runs already. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've got a really good young core uh, coming back. We have a couple kids in the junior class, Steph Reed, Kennedy here, who started this year. Uh, so having a lot of that return is is really nice to see. Coach, uh, this just a general question about the sport of softball. How yeah. have you seen it evolve or change 
especially at the at the high school level where you're recruiting and trying to bring those players into your program to compete where they need to be uh, among some pretty good Mountain West teams? You know, we, we look, our recruiting base obviously is a state school. We want to recruit, what I always say is we want to recruit the best kids in the state of Utah that are going to help us win uh, in the Mountain West. And does that mean we can recruit Utah exclusively? No. Um, do we recruit nationally? No, we don't do that either. But we're going to recruit in our footprint kind of west of the Rockies here. Um, California, Arizona, Utah are really kind of the base areas that we pull from. Uh, we've had a few kids from elsewhere. We've got a couple from Texas right now, one, one that's uh, graduating from Iowa, uh, one from Australia. But, you know, when we look at the kids here, it's just a matter of uh, trying to get beyond high school. You know, that's one thing with softball. We really don't recruit high school, even with the better kids, because it's there's so many kids in high school. There's roughly 475,000 kids that play high school ball and only 27,000 end up at any level of college. And so to try and compare a kid that we're looking for is in high school, is there, are they going to compete against our Mountain West opponents? Um, it's really tough. And that's where we really look at the, the travel ball. And so that's the, the, the challenge is making sure we can see kids uh, in a setting that we're going to, see them compete against kids that we're recruiting against. Uh, and, and, you know, so Capri and Tyler both were with teams that, that did that. Capri was with, uh, uh, and now I'm blanking on the name she was with. She was with the, the Pegasus and then uh, moved up. Um, and, and, you know, they went to Colorado. They went to some of these national tournaments, and we could see her go out and compete against those types of teams. And Tyler went out this summer, was with, actually the twins uh, on a team out of Northern California. And, um, you know, we've got uh, Libby Hawker is signed, uh, one of our incoming 20s. And uh, she is part of the Mountain West organization here in Utah. She was a bat buster. The same thing, they went out and played nationally. And so to go see those kids compete on a national level against kids that are going to be against them in college and we can use that as a better measuring stick than we can the high school game. Hey, Coach, final question here, and it's kind of an odd one, so just bear with me, though. But <laughs> it seemed like your, equi- uh, your equipment manager, Jackson Webb, became a legend over there. As crazy, <laughs> like, just catching bullpen. I heard all sorts of stories from either him or others around. Uh, how important, uh, again, it's an odd question, but kind of how important are those equipment managers to help you out? And a guy like Jackson Webb who just could do everything for you. <laughs> Well, he must have paid you to ask that question. <laughs> um, I, you know, I Jackson is a legend in his own mind. And uh, he, he picked up, he was coaching a JV basketball team this year. I think it was JV or sophomore. And they won. Uh, I think they won the championship or whatever they do. Um, but no, Jackson, he, all of our managers are super important to us, you know, from, from catching bullpens to doing the, the really the grunt work behind the scenes, taking care of our laundry. But, uh, you know, we've had several. Actually, our, our assistant coach right now, Bailey Thomas, uh, was with us as a, both a manager and a volunteer uh, a few years ago. So they are super important for us. Uh, and, and Jax was certainly a special one. That, you know, he, he took, took a lot of a care in what he did. And, uh, you know, we, we still have a little bit of him left. He made us a little uh, uh, scouting chart 
bench <laughs> in our dugout that's still there. He signed it for us and, and did all that. But yeah, Jackson, Jackson's quite the guy. I think, uh, I don't know what's bigger, his hair or his ego right now. <laughs> That's a fair question. Hey, really quickly, before we do let you go, you were called to be the head coach of this softball team on June 26th of 2013. You're the ninth head coach to be here. You're in your seventh year, and you're the, yet the second winningest coach in program history. What in yourself as a coach has progressed or developed from the first year to now? Uh, just you know, learning, uh, adapting with the times. Uh, figuring out how we're going to win in the Mountain West, um, utilizing uh, the resources that Utah State gives us, and, and we've, we've got tremendous resources, um, you know, but just trying to figure out, you know, from a from a recruiting standpoint, it took a little bit of time just establishing, even though I had West Coast connections uh, from recruiting in the SEC, uh, but establishing what our program was going to be about and then being able to sell that uh, not only to the travel ball coaches who were kind of uh, helping their kids figure things out, but uh, to the kids and to the to the parents and families. And you know, we've got so many things here in Logan that that are tremendous for our kids to come into. And, and when families look at a place like Logan uh, and they see the safety, uh, they see the the mountains and the beauty that we have. Uh, it's it's an easy sell, but you still have to talk to them about what school's about and what the athletic program is going to be about. And so, you know, I think that's just the biggest thing is we had a big year uh, a few years ago. Uh, we've got to maintain that consistency uh, through both recruiting and, and coaching and, and how we get those things out of kids. And that's the biggest thing for me is, is adapting our program, you know, is making sure that we uh, set the expectations. And that's one thing that we continue to work on. Uh, I think we did a really good job this year building the program. We talk about leaving a legacy and, and really it's, it's led by us as coaches, but it's really got to be player driven and, and getting that out of them is, is what's so important and what is build what will build a consistent model for us to keep winning down the road. Coach, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Stay safe. We look forward to uh, seeing some softball next spring. All right. I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks coach. AJ, just to give some perspective, uh, we we kind of brushed over it, but I don't think we really gave much detail about just the type of career Riley Plogger has had at Utah State. Unreal, uh, all time runs leader, um, and uh, she is uh, fourth in walks, tied for sixth in doubles, tied for eighth in RBI, ninth in total bases. Uh, she needed one more home run, two more triples to earn a place on those record lists. Um, and she was on pace to rank in the top 10 career hits and slugging percentage lists by the end of the season. So all of that was cut short, unfortunately. But she was able to break the all-time runs record at Utah State before everything got shut down. Yeah, that's impressive stuff. And again, just an incredible career. But there's a lot of underclassmen, as he's talked about, that are up and coming that are going to help this program and are going to lift him. You know, to that height of being one of the contenders. And really, as you mentioned it, it's a tough Mountain West Conference. This is not an easy conference to play softball in, and it's one of the better ones in regards to the G5s. Um, and, uh, again, uh, Steve Johnson in his seventh season as a head coach, it's uh, it's impressive. Yeah, the 13-11 start, but um, may not sound great. No, it doesn't. But they were really turning some things around and were on a really good trajectory right before everything got uh Yep. Shut Correct. down. And you have to consider, look, it, 
it's hard for a school like Utah State to start playing softball in February. Because <laughs> that's when the season begins. Yeah. So all of your games are away. Your practices are either indoor or just somewhere else. So that's it, it's a, it's always going to be a challenge to get things started. And uh, just as it was starting to uh, warm up a little bit and have opportunities to play some in-state games, it all got put on hold. All right, coming up, speaking of softball, we now move to the other side of the diamond, which is baseball. Salt Lake Bee's general manager, Mark Amicone, is going to join us at 4.30 to talk about the COVID-19 situation, delaying baseball. Uh, they're still going to pay players $400 a week. Uh, and uh, just some of the past players that have came through the organization, guys like Mike Trout, guys like David Ortiz, guys like Torrey Hunter. Uh, Tim Linscombe was one of the later ones. So uh, we'll get through all that and more with uh, Mark Amicone's GM, of the uh, Salt Lake Beats. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and AJ Salves here on the Full Court Press. Steve Johnson, USU head softball coach, is joining us. Appreciate his time. That will be on our podcast on 106.thefan.com. No, I uh, really feel bad for those athletes. That Oh, man. Like, it, yes, it's unfortunate that guys like Sam Merrill and Keta and those guys didn't get a chance to finish out their season and go into their tournament, but they had they had a ninety eight percent of their season done. Yeah, they had a ninety nine percent of their season done. And like you said, one of the greatest ever in softball in USU softball history didn't get it completed. And as Coach Johnson said, look, a lot of them are going to probably move on with life. They're you know, it's uh, they. As of right now, Coach said that they don't plan on having them back. Well, yeah, there's still a lot of debate now about this extra year of eligibility because NCAA has said it's up to you. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah, you want to pay. You're on your own. Yeah, what it takes uh, to to keep them there, um, that's on you. And so, not a lot of schools will be able to do this, especially missing out on the NCAA tournament money if this thing extends into affecting the college football season, especially those big money games. Yeah, I doubt that there will be very many schools that will say, sure, we'll have their seniors back for yeah. one more year for our spring sports. And we'll, yeah, and we'll take care of the cost. Yeah, because as you mentioned, I think, or I guess as, as Coach Johnson mentioned, it's, it's a heavy amount of money they got to duel out for those who are coming back. And for them with a tight budget, it's, it's hard to make it happen. Extremely difficult, excuse me, extremely difficult, which I think is just even the greater challenge of it all. And and, and with that, I, I don't think a lot of softball athletes, or excuse me, a lot of winter athletes would have came back. I think based, I mean, you imagine how much money would have been spent on that and spring, it would have been extremely tough, extremely tough. Right, like gymnastics, yeah, basketball, nice, yep. I mean, those, those seasons were virtually all completed. Yes, they lost out on opportunities to have a, a champion crowned, but the season was done. Um, for these players, softball players, uh, for so, those that are do, that do college baseball and other spring sports, their seasons were wiped out just as they were getting started. Um, and so they were robbed of an entire season. So I really feel for them. Uh, but if you're a senior, oh, tough decisions. Do you just move on? Or do you just say, you know what? No, I do want to give myself one more shot 
to finish this out, finish what I started. But at the same time, you have to consider, is that going to be on your own dime? Or is the university going to be able to come up with some money to help you, you know, with your cost of tuition and, and some of those other things? Not, the other thing to remember, not every player is on scholarship in these spring sports. It's not like some of the other big money uh, programs. So a lot of these players are already paying their own ways, and it's not quite the same deal. So do you have enough to do that one more year, to do that one more time? Uh, I don't know. I really I feel bad. I feel bad for all of them. But that's the situation it is, and there's not a whole lot you can do um, to change that. And there's still a lot of uncertainty because we don't know how long this is going to last. Don't know how much going to affect other sports, because uh, whatever affects college football really is going to affect your entire athletic budget. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now joining us here on the full court press, this is a uh, privilege and, and pleasure. Well, a guy that I, I've I've met and known, and he, he's one of the better men. Uh, Mark Amicone, he's a uh, general manager of the Salt Lake Bees, uh, AAA baseball team here in Salt Lake. Uh, Mr. Amicone, thanks for your time. Greatly appreciate it. RJ, thank you very much, and uh, boy, Mister makes me feel old. So, so Mark, Mark works very well. <laughs> I'm glad we're still on the first name basis. I just wasn't sure, you know, after two years. All is good. Hey, yep. what is this? What has this time been like for you during COVID nineteen? I know you have to be with careful with you know, how you phrase things, but for you, with no baseball, it's, it's it, is it busy or is it just kind of empty? Well, it's <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, a, a test of everybody's patience. You know, I mean, first and foremost, we're we're all concerned about our, our fans and, and obviously our players and our, and our staff and um, everybody involved with the organization that everybody's safe and healthy. And, you know, we're, we're doing our very, very best to, to follow the guidelines and, and we're all working from home. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to say I've, I'm not the most technologically sound person in the world, but I'm getting really good at, that uh, Zoom meetings and conference calls and <laughs> teleconferences and all these different ways to communicate, but um, you know we're we're just uh, trying to do our part to keep everybody healthy and uh, and yes, it would be really really nice if tomorrow night was was opening night as it was scheduled, but uh, um, you know let's keep everybody safe and healthy and and opening night will be here. We'll we'll get it here. Uh, I, I've heard several people say that the, the start of Baseball season, for those that absolutely love the season, that is like Christmas Day. Uh, there's other, you know, there's other exciting parts of the season, All Star Game or the playoffs and things like that that happen. But opening day, it, I mean, everybody's got an equal record, everybody's got an equal chance, and it's it's back, it's there. Now, not Christmas has been canceled or at least postponed. I mean, how how tough is that? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because opening day is it really is a big deal for everybody in terms of um, players and fans alike. I mean, as you just mentioned, everybody's tied that day. Everybody's zero and zero, and we all have a, a hope that our team's going to win the World Series or the <clears throat> league championship or whatever it may be. So we're all excited about the season going. And the other part for me that I like so much <coughs> – excuse me, especially here in Salt Lake is it's, it's a signal of spring is coming and, you know, we get to see flowers blooming and at the ballpark, it's great to see the green grass and the, the blue skies. And, you know, in, in Salt Lake, we see the best view in baseball. We've got, you know, the snow cap generally on the mountains this time of year. And it's, 
it just signals signals that uh, uh, you know a new beginning, new season. Uh, the spring is a is a great time for us to kick things off. So um, we're hoping this uh, you know this delay is not uh, not real long, and you know we'll get back to having a an unusual and a unique you know be a unique kind of season that um, you know we'll, we'll remember and and uh, we'll go from there. Mr. Amicone, I guess Mark, excuse me. Uh, I, I know managers kind of move back and forth in the in the business of baseball, especially in AAA. Lou Marson is now the manager there. What is your experience and what is your relationship with him like and what kind of a manager uh, has he been? Well, Lou's kind of one of those new up-and-coming uh, uh, <clears throat> guys in the profession, and uh, this, is, this will be his third year as a manager. He was in AA two years ago, and then he was with us last year, and Lose only about four years from being a player. He, he was a, a catcher in the major leagues for 12 years, and um, he's he's really he's a really good baseball man and learning how to not only manage a strategy of games but manage a, a team. And and you know at this level it's interesting because you as a manager it's it's not just trying to win the game every night and when do you bunt or when do you steal or when do you hit and run and those kind of things. Or, or for that matter, teaching, you know, swing, swing planes or how to catch ground balls and things. It's all, it's, it's really about managing the players as a, a team and how they try to develop. And I mean, as professionals, it's all of a sudden you're traveling all the time and you're together with a group of guys and there's a lot of guys up and down and in and out of the locker room. And how do you interact with, uh, different, different folks? And, 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 you know, he has to deal with, Players that are disappointed, they they just get sent down from the major leagues. I mean, you know, we're one step below, and and it's hard to get cut or sent down at any level. But boy, when you've tasted the big league level and you get sent back to Salt Lake, you know, part of Lou's job is is to make sure they're disappointed for a brief period of time, and they're ready to get going again and get themselves ready to be back up in the big leagues. Uh, Mark, the these are unprecedented times. We're, this is uncharted territory. A lot of us aren't sure how things are going to come out of this. But from an organization for the bees, I mean, this is an organization that really hasn't had any revenue since September coming in. Uh, there's a lot of talk about still resuming games if we can, ensure the safety of the players and the staff and everybody else involved, but doing it without fans in the stands. Do you think that's really possible? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, dilemma, so to speak, from uh, different level to different level. I mean, at the major league level, for them to uh, to play that way without fans and, and maintain the integrity of the schedule and and have a champion and and those kind of things, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to. See, I don't want to see that happen. Actually, I'd like to see it, uh, obviously, with crowds in the in the stadiums and those kind of things, but. But I'm excited to see that as possibly being a step and an array of hope, a ray of hope for everyone as fans and those of us in the minor leagues that were that were, uh, you know, maybe on the verge of getting moving. But in terms of us and at the minor league level and at every level of the minor leagues, um, the business of of for us the business of of baseball really depends on fans. It depends on people coming to the game and enjoying a hot dog and a drink and, and um, enjoying each other's company and being together. So uh, for us to play games without fans would be a, uh, 
you know, from strictly from a business standpoint, it would be it would add more expense and and probably not any more revenue. So, um, I, I you know we'll have to wait and see what really happens, but it would be much better at our level to play with fans. But but again, we have to do what's right for the public health and safety. Your your roster uh, is loaded with some familiar names. Taylor Cole is one of them. He's been <clears throat> in the roster for a while. Uh, you have uh, Ho- uh, Jose Rojas. These guys. What have you seen out of this roster, and what do you feel like that they can build for the future of not only the Salt Lake Bees, for, but for the Los Angeles of Anaheim Angels? Well, it's interesting that you say that. In fact, I made uh, a little bit of a joke on Monday with uh, Craig Williams, our, our PR director, because Monday was when uh, our media day was scheduled, and we introduced the staff and the players and the roster. And I made the joke Monday morning about 9.30 that, hey, media day was today at noon, and by now Craig still doesn't know what the roster is because it's that fluid and that last minute with players up and down. So we, we still we still don't know what our roster really would have looked like yet this oh. year. A lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of, you know, the Angels had not gotten to a point where, uh, in fact, I'm not even sure the minor league, the the entire group of minor league players, I think, were coming within a day or two after, uh, or just before they shut down uh, spring training. So, um, as usual, I expect us to have a, a good group of players. Will be up and down. I mean, last year, and this this sounds like a crazy number, but you know, we had over 300 uh, roster transactions, which means players going up to the Angels or or perhaps being sent down to, to uh, Mobile and those kind of things. But, you know, our, our job and our position from strictly from a baseball standpoint is, you know, we get we get those players here and, and part of Lou's job and his coaching staff is have them day-to-day ready to go to the to the major league level. And, and um, so until we see who they are, we'll, you know, I, I can't really answer that too well. But That's fair enough. Uh, we, but we've been very fortunate – uh, over the years for the Angels to send some really talented players. I mean, I look, it's kind of fun to look at this last year in the World Series. Howie Kendrick was uh, was a Salt Lake B for parts of two or three seasons, I believe, and it was really fun to see how great of a playoff season he had. Obviously, we all, we all want to see Mike Trout get back in the playoffs, and, and how much fun would that be? And, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Taylor Cole, and he was part of the no-hitter uh, when they were the night they were were uh, um, you know honoring honoring Tyler Skaggs, so you know we've had some really unique players here going back through the years. I mean, you know, way back in the early stages of our franchise, we had like I say we had Big Poppy before he was Big Poppy, you know, and and David Ortiz and Tory Hunter and Jared Weaver and uh, Eric Ibar and so many, uh, you know, Jeff Mathis, who right now is. Uh, goodness, I think he's going to be starting his 14th season in the big leagues, and mm. um, some really, really uh, outstanding players to watch over the years here. So, uh, from a baseball standpoint, that's the fun of it. I like to tell people that you know when you come to a bees game, uh, you see the very best, most talented baseball players that are not playing in Major League Baseball in the world. You know, so from a baseball standpoint, you get to see excellent baseball excellent players and individual talent um and and that that's what that's one of the things that makes it unique and then the flip side of that for us is you know you get all the other experiences uh, the you can bring the kids and ride the train and the on the outfield berm and i like to tell people we have one of the best restaurants in the 
in the state when you come to the ballpark. So it's it's a great experience from all of those wonderful uh, experiences off the field. Uh, and at the same time, you if you're really a baseball uh, aficionado, you get to see great baseball. Again, we're talking to Mark Amicone. He's the general manager for the Salt Lake Bees. And uh, Mark, let me ask you if the season does happen, and we're all hopeful and knocking on wood that it, that it does, um, do you think, or what are you hearing? Will it be just shifted and everything will be delayed later and we'll still do the regular number of games? Will games be lost? Or is there a possibility of multiple double headers to try to fit it into a shorter period of time? Well, I think the very first thing that happens to make those determinations is uh, what does Major League Baseball want to do and and what do they want to accomplish in terms of their schedule. If if they want to, depending when it starts, still try to get a 162-game schedule in, um, and they may have the ability to say we're going to go into – uh, October regular season, maybe even into November, uh, kind of a deal that will dictate what's happening at our level. And depending when, uh, again, maybe they decide they need our players to play X amount of games. And I don't know what that number may be, but it may necessitate that we play past Labor Day, which we've, uh, uh tr- traditionally the regular season ends for us on Labor Day. Um, so that, that could be an option out there, but again, until, until they make a determination, they being Major League Baseball, as to what's going to happen with their schedule and what that means for minor league players, you know, we'll we'll just have to react to that. One of one of the things that's a a bit complicated in in our league, in the Pacific Coast League, is you know we we have sixteen teams in three different time zones, and uh, so our geography is far and wide between. And a lot of what we're doing is is, is depending uh, dependent upon commercial airline travel. So there's a lot of factors that we we would have to deal with in terms of, you know, are, are the airlines back with full schedules and, and routes and those kind of things, uh, or would we need to adjust and maybe play a little more regional regionalized schedule? But all, those things are being discussed at uh, again major league level first, and then we'll. Uh, we've got some thoughts in our mind about if this happens, what do we do? If that happens, what do we do? So uh, right now, I mean, as I said, we're on lots of calls and and and, and we're making plans and we're trying to uh, be in a position where we're ready to turn the switch on. And when they say it's it's safe and it's okay to go, we'll we'll be ready to go. Mark, when people say hear the name Mike Trout, the first they think is not angels; they think Salt Lake Bees because of the of this man or this myth who's doing all these great things. Can you take us back to the time when you first saw Mike Trout play for the Salt Lake Bees and what that was like? Well, to me, there's two things that, that jump out at me. I mean, first of all, it, uh, well, uh, the first thing, and then I'll give you my two insights from a baseball standpoint. But um, you know, he was with us for 20 games and. You know, we like to think it was a whole season, but uh, uh, one of the things, for, you know, just from a baseball standpoint, in 20 games, now think of this, in in 20 games uh, in Salt Lake, he he led the entire league in triples, I believe, until early August. So in that brief period of time, that's, that's the impact he had, uh, which tells you how well he could hit, but also how well he could run. Um, but what I probably will always... Well, I know I will always remember and maybe impresses me 
more than anything uh, about him at that point. And everything you see about him now is still very, very much the same. But I, I, I'll never forget on media day, we knew and everybody was was projecting that he was going to be a superstar. And here comes Mike Trout. Here's this guy we've been talking about for a couple of years, and he's going to be the next <clears throat> the next superstar in Major League Baseball. And and we show up at media day, and I I want to say he was just barely twenty, maybe that year when he was when he was with us, and he was the most outgoing and cordial and uh, nice guy to be around for everybody. He was. He was going out of his way to to talk to. Not, and I don't just mean talking to the media people about, you know, interviewing him or what was going on that kind of thing. He went to everybody in the stadium and introduced himself and and you know wanted to know the name of the bat boy and wanted to know the the name of the guy who was cleaning out the dugout and you know I remember him saying to somebody, "Hey, my name's Mike. Who are you? What do you do?" I and and that's him. That that was so genuine and and. Uh, obviously I don't interact with him, uh, hardly at all anymore, but when you, when you do, it's really, it's really who he still is. And that will always stick with me. I'll never forget him going to, to, uh, that younger person on our staff and introducing himself and saying, hi, I'm Mike. Uh, who are you? What do you do? And, and that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. Mark, I've been to so many Salt Lake Bees games, and they're just a beautiful, no, excuse me, the best and most beautiful ballpark out of anybody in AAA baseball, and it's not even close. For those who are waiting to go to Bees games this year, what is your message to those fans as we await for baseball to arrive? Well, we just, uh, you know, ask you to be patient and and know that uh, uh, when it's time, we'll be ready to go, and, and as always, you know, no matter what, the one thing that will not ever change with with uh, Smith's Ballpark here in Salt Lake City is we've got the best view in ba- baseball, and uh, I, I can't wait to to have uh, crowds in the stands and, and uh, join right along with them sitting there and looking at uh, the beautiful backdrop of the Wasatch Mountains and, 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 the, and the great baseball that's going on on the field. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. Good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Yep, you bet. Bye-bye. It's Mark Amicone, general manager for the Salt Lake Bees. Really, really, really good stuff. Uh, Anyone, as we've talked about this many different times, anybody in sports, coach, manager, uh, general manager, athletic directors, they're they're all in, what do you call it, stasis, where you're just, you don't know. There's no moving forward right now. There's no moving back. You're just kind of in this period of you don't really know where things are going. But um, interesting uh, perspective about how it's affecting the Salt Lake Bees. I, I know that um, that's a that's a difficult a difficult organization. Minor league baseball is in a difficult yeah. spot right now overall. Yeah, absolutely. And before the season even began, before COVID nineteen even started. There were a lot of discussions about the concern about the financial well-being of minor league baseball, and when you look at it, they only have 60, 70 home yep. games yep. in just a few months' time to make it all work financially, and and for those it's already delayed. I got and there's a no message beginning in sight. Exactly, and I got a message of asking, "Hey, can you ask him about the financial?" We are not allowed to. We have been told that we were specifically told not to ask him about the finances going on because of ongoing stuff and 
ongoing the suspension of baseball in itself and there's questions that he could not answer and if he were to talk about him he'd get in big trouble so uh yeah just we had to hold off of that so it's still kind of a fluid situation yeah. Yeah. and there's some yeah legal issues that are going on that mark couldn't have been able to address so at this point no yeah Hey, big thanks to Mark Amicone, though. That was great stuff. We're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up. That's right. We're already done with the full-court press for today, and we'll get you ready for tomorrow's show. Eric Franson there. I'm Audrey Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and there, Audrey Salveson here, the Full Court Press. We're wrapping it up here. We got about 90 seconds left in the show. Want to thank uh, all of you for listening, joining in, however you are, on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, or 1069thefan.com. If you missed the interviews with Coach Johnson or with uh, Mr. Mark Amicone, you can go to 1069thefan.com after the show, and we'll have it posted on our podcast platform of Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Really good stuff, Eric. Yeah, really good interviews, really interesting perspectives about how uh, this current pandemic is affecting softball and baseball, and uh, both very differently in different ways. Um, but um, yeah, really interesting perspectives. Uh, man, for for all of us, we hope yeah. this gets figured out quickly because, uh, man, we need sports. Eric, let's tease our tomorrow's show really quickly. It's going to be a majority of college football. One really intriguing story written by Tim Keown of ESPN on Jordan Love's draft prospect and the mystery of drafting a quarterback like Jordan Love and why. And then Brett McMurphy, a little bit of uh, something spicy from a proposal. Yeah, right. Uh, quizzing a lot of different athletic directors throughout the country about an expanded college football playoff and how would you expand it to how many numbers and how do those votes differ between those in Power 5 conferences versus those outside of the Power 5? You know, it's interesting when you think about it. It's just how much impact the the Power 5 or some of the G5 conferences could maybe even have on a proposal like that if they'd even sniff the bread. I mean, that's another big thing about it. Uh, a big thanks to Mark Amico and a big thanks to Coach Steve Johnson. And for Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson. That's another edition of the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.